pep, pep, bla, 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 bla. Hello, and welcome to See One, Do One, Teach One, the podcast dedicated to becoming a better medical educator. With me, Pick Mukherjee. And Tom Pereira. In this episode, an unfortunate medical student walks by our office and gets pulled into the podcast to talk about bias. Hello and welcome. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. We have a special guest, Alex Over, who is joining us to talk about bias. Now, I know you guys have been through 50 different lectures about bias. What we always focus on is how to be a better teacher. So we would like to look at bias in how you might be biased against or for the person who is presenting to you clinically in the emergency department. Hi, I'm Alex. Um, this is my first time doing a podcast, and I'm sure as a medical student, I present exactly like that. Hi, I'm a medical student. This is my first time ever doing anything on my own. I've you know, just seen a patient, and would you please mind stopping whatever you're doing and, and listening to my presentation? Um, so let's start with the idea that there's a bias either for or against medical students when they start to present. Do you have yeah. a story for us? So... I think that every medical student can relate to this this story where you go see the patient and when you come back to give your presentation, I think I can remember one specifically when I saw a patient I was really worried um, might be having a DVT and I started out my presentation by saying, this is a 65-year-old woman who I'm worried is having a DVT and uh, as I'm giving the presentation, my attending was sort of nodding and spacing out a little bit and just starts writing writing things down and looking away, clearly not really paying attention. And then she um, basically walked back with me to the patient's room and asked all the same questions that I had just asked over again. And so I, I felt incredibly redundant at that moment. And I'm not sure if that had anything to do with, you know, the fact that I am a female medical student who uh, is a little bit hyper. I'm there. I'm dressed in green scrub, bright green scrubs. And my presentation to her was not confident enough. Yeah. I, yeah so so I, that is bias. And I think uh, the, the thing you're describing where the attending is always looking around and doing something else. My residents say that I'm meerkatting. Uh, <laughs> I keep bobbing up and looking over at room five and like I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> but I think that uh, it's all of those things, right? And I think one thing is you uh, normally introduce yourself, say, hello, I am the new medical student here. And uh, I, I think that sometimes the, the act of introducing yourself as the I just started or I just did a thing makes people go, oh, you won't know anything. So that is definitely true for me. I, unless I have heard a case presentation from you, I am very wary in my first presentation from anybody. I don't know what their level of experience is. I don't know if they're competent. And so medical students in particular, I will listen very closely and, and I will start to judge very soon about whether the presentation that they are giving me is organized. And, and yours is perfect because your story was talking about taking something that people, other people probably thought was relatively benign and all of a sudden you're bringing up real potential illness and that's going to immediately, if they, if they 
don't know you, don't respect you yet, uh, going to make them go, ah, this person is finding the most dangerous thing and putting it out there. And they are definitely going to go back and double check. Now, if it turns out you were right, then the next time you do this, they are going to listen. And we always tell people and medical students say, but in the emergency room, you guys say stuff like prioritize the most lethal illness. Give me a DDX. What's the worst possible thing? And then when you ask me about a dif differential for chest pain and I say dissection, you roll your eyes because, you know, it's not a dissection. So, like, tell me what to do here. Um, I, I do think that we are just out of necessity assessing people uh, and doing that first round judgment to see how much room to give them. So that first presentation is probably both super important and likely to be affected by bias. And let's face it, if somebody comes up and they're in a short white coat, there is a bias. They're a medical student. I do not expect them to know everything yet, and that's okay. It takes them proving themselves to break that bias and, and let me move forward. Okay, so you're more careful. You go and double-check their work. Maybe this attending uh, who's asking the same questions was essentially double-checking uh, the work, but the impression was, uh, I don't trust you and we're not going to listen to you. What about the way it's presented? Is is the perception that you are confident and therefore I trust you or that you are not confident and I have to double check you? So this is somewhere biases can definitely play a role. Someone coming out as confident that you are biased against and they are a schmuck and they are overconfident. Someone comes out confident and they are uh, someone that you like or think should be confident, and then they are, it is a positive thing. I don't think there's a right answer here, right? Because if a medical student is sure of something, even if they're right later, I'm going to register them as being overconfident. And if they're legitimately confused because it is a difficult case and they don't, they go, I don't know what this is, I'm going to put them down as uh, needs less uh, room to run and needs a lot of double checking. Since we're really trying to tackle bias, let's look at the gender issue here. Is it possible that the fact that you are a woman or a man will automatically change what being confident means? I think that's inherent. I, I think that, you know, that's something that women have to face in every arena, but that when you are going through the process of being a medical student, um, trying to come off in a, you know, as being not too timid, not too aggressive, trying to hit that perfect Goldilocks of being interested but not too interested. It's very difficult to separate the gender bias from that entire process of figuring out how can I be my best self in this environment in a short interaction and communicate that my, you know, my presentation is worth listening to. Right. Hick, you were talking about uh, the way women are perceived running codes. Oh, absolutely. So we know that from our evaluations of residents that a female resident, especially in this situation about resuscitation, can be perceived or given feedback that they are uh, not authoritative enough or then too overbearing, too bossy. Uh, and, and the words we use are very different from the words we use uh, when men uh, do the same behaviors and run the codes. And, and I had mentioned earlier that I've seen this in evaluations, I've seen it in the, the medical student slows that get sent for interviews uh, and, and in evaluations in residency, that certain words are used to describe the way good women doctors are and good men doctors. Uh, so gender norms. If you are a woman, 
and you are uh, loud and assertive, uh, that, is, that is a negative, that's overbearing and, and tone it down, but a man would be like driven. So uh, almost all these evaluations are saying positive things anyway, but it's interesting that even positives get changed. A woman is much more likely to be described as caring. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, it's a good thing. But if it, you don't really read as many evaluations about men where it says the man was caring. Uh, the, the man was smart. Uh, and driven. And since people reading letters like uh, in recommendations and promotions, they're looking for certain catchphrases and caring isn't one of them. Uh, it is a good thing, good quality doctor, but, but it might not be your uh, key to promotion. So as a teacher, it is important to realize that this bias exists. And when you're writing evaluations, I think it is very clear that having that awareness can allow you to, to write your evaluations aimed more toward who the evaluation is for. If I'm writing a resident getting a job, they want hardworking, they want dedicated, they want overcomes adversity. Those are the big three, and, and they should be said about everybody, regardless of who you are from a gender or a race perspective. I think that's perfect. What are we supposed to do? I, I don't think I'm going to get over, prove to me you know what's what, uh, Mr. Uh, medical student, Mrs. Medical student who I just met. Uh, but I am aware that I'm going to interpret things differently based on all sorts of things. Your uh, height, uh, your your tone, uh, your uh, gender. What am I supposed to do to help ground myself in reality? I think the first thing to do is is to admit that these biases exist and, and that everybody has them. And if you admit that you have a bias, then you can be aware that, that maybe the reason you trust this person isn't because they did something wonderful. It's because your bias was to like them because of who they are or what they are rather than anything they actually did. Being aware of that might make you go back and recheck that history. And the same is true in the other direction. So I wonder if I am overly critical or overly uh, non-critical because of X. And, uh, and, and I think the nice thing about that is just saying maybe makes you look for some more objective data. Did I write this about the other person? What if this had come out of this person's mouth? Uh, what would I have thought then? So you have a thing that you do with patients. Well, this is more about um, the bias that exists in the presentation that's more towards the patient. A lot of times, residents present a case and they go, uh, the, the lovely, cute little old lady in room nine, she's a sweetie pie. Uh, and I often out loud say, um, cocaine dealer killed a child, buried them in the backyard. Continue because they're just making me, uh, 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 they're not helping with the diagnosis. And conversely, if they say there's a real piece of work in room 10 and he's a rah, rah, then I'll go uh, purple hard, save four people in a fire, go. Uh, and, and because these are not germane to getting the diagnosis, I need to counteract uh, the bias they've built in. So, so the same thing needs to be done when you're hearing a presentation, that whatever it is that strikes you wrong about the person, not the presentation or the case, try to change that. A simple one would be the fast track situation, right? So, so I'm in fast track and somebody, a medical student or a resident, presents this long, convoluted, crazy case. I'm more likely to go, oh, good God, just get an x-ray of the ankle, give them Motrin and send them home because I'm in fast track. Whereas if I had been in critical or, or on the main, I would have treated it very differently. If I can realize that I have this bias against anything, then by saying, 
would I really do the same thing for every resident? Uh, if, if it was a male, if it was a female, if it was a, a URM, if it was any of these, am I going to behave in the same way? And, and even just asking yourself the question makes the difference. I like that. We're just trying to deliver the same care, right? I, I, I hate it when I have to admit three chest pains in a row because the fourth one, I don't care what the EKG looks like. You are going home, mister. Uh, and that's terrible. Uh, yeah, I should not do that. And so, yeah, I, I, I think going forward with a, uh, is it different because this is a small female uh, medical student uh, and am I reacting differently? Is it different because the person seems quiet and I'm interpreting this as timid? Or, or is just louder and excited and I'm interpreting as overconfident. Uh, just having those questions, I think, is helpful. Yeah, the, the words we use become really important. We were talking earlier as a group that certain groups of people are, have been uh, locked into certain words. Uh, stoic, right? So number of times that I hear uh, that Asians are stoic from residents. And you need to evaluate the patient as not stoic, and that's true of the presenter as well. If the presenter uh, speaks slowly, it does not mean they're not as smart. If they have a very strong accent, it, it doesn't mean that they're smarter than you are if it happens to be British. It is just the way it is. British people are great, though. I, if I had a <laughs> British accent, I would rule the world by now. Uh, so uh, we said that the main things that we're going to learn from this is, is what? Be aware that we're going to react differently to tone, uh, to gender, to other things, uh, and build in a curiosity about why that is. Look for some objective thing. Try to uh, treat uh, the presentation the same every time. And the feedback you give, both verbally and written, you should really try to make the same across boundaries of race and gender. Great. Okay, Tom, we haven't done an article of the day in a while. We are going to talk about an article titled Bias and Racism Teaching Rounds at an Academic Medical Center, which was published in Chest uh, by uh, Dr. Quinn Capers IV uh, as the first author in August of 2020, just last year. They couldn't stop at Quinn Capers III. Talk to his parents. Right. So this is a case-based article that points out how racism and sexism uh, are rampant in medicine. It uses cases to do that. The first case is a nice illustration. So this is basically the medicine team coming on in the morning and they find that a 39-year-old black male has been ad admitted for congestive heart failure. The medical student reports out the labs and all of that stuff. And as part of that reporting, he reports out the drug screen and the HIV test, which were normal. And the attending questions, well, why were these ordered? And when they look back at what was going on, they realize that two other patients admitted for the same thing who were white women did not have drug screens and HIV ordered. Uh, and I think that, that it was a really nice way to highlight how different the care is depending on people's biases. And I think as a teaching tool, a case like this is really nice to highlight the differences in medicine and that medicine is wrongly but inherently biased. That's great. And they do go into the potential harms that are uh, encountered by trying to explain those tests or, or why they were ordered or even the costs that are incurred by the patient. Uh, the other case out of the four they have that I like is one where there is a, a Puerto Rican gentleman who has cancer and has uh, failed his first round of chemotherapy, has not responded. 
The review team oncologist writes that this is likely due to non-compliance with his chemo regimen. They uh, try to get him in for uh, uh, recurrent uh, rounds of chemo. Uh, he gets admitted and is found to have a genetic mutation that makes him resistant to the first round and at a delayed fashion is, is started on the second line therapy. Uh, he does poorly and then when the case is reviewed, no one can figure out why the non-compliance with a chemo was likely, given that the patient was so compliant with other things, making his appointments, very involved in his care, and actually when they ask the, the person who wrote this on the team, they, they cannot find an objective reason why. I think it highlights the fact that these biases exist, and we as teachers should start to incorporate this as part of our case-based teaching. Uh, classically, because I've always worked at reasonably large academic centers, I have gone to residents and say, okay, what if you were in a community hospital with this same case? How would the case run differently? And I think that one way to help people understand the effect of, of race and gender and, and these sort of things is exactly this. Start to ask the what if question. Uh, that when you have a case and you're doing something or someone says, oh, uh, I don't want to give them pain medicine because I think that they have the potential for uh, drug misuse, to say, okay, would you really be behaving the same way if this person had a different ethnicity, if they were a different age, if they were a different sex? Uh, and start to pose those questions because they really lead to nice discussions about, about what is evidence-based medicine and allows people to start to see their own bias. I think that that what-if tool we do all the time, uh, here's a case, I present it, I agree with your care, what if they're on Coumadin, what if this, and I think this segues really well into the uh, just changing the scenario. Even the uh, things we talked about in presenting, what if this was a male resident running this code, what if this was a different med student uh, presenting this case. Uh, another thing they talk about is examining the opposite, which I think ties into what you're saying. If there is evidence for something uh, that they think uh, they're saying, oh, uh, this, this might be a person who might be at risk for drug use, uh, this person might be uh, non-compliant, and we have looked for evidence of those things, look for evidence of the opposite. Is there evidence that this person uh, uh, does not, uh, is not a drug user, and, and look for evidence that the patient, in fact, is compliant? And I think in the case I mentioned, exactly that is what was found when the case was reviewed. The patient actually showed lots of reasons that he was more likely to be compliant. Right. You go, you go into their med list, and you go, okay, look, they have filled every single medicine thing that you said to do. They are going to clinic as an outpatient. They are doing everything they're supposed to do. And the evidence may help you deal with some internal bias that you have. Okay, Pick, what's not a thing today? Today, the EGFR with racial calculations based on uh, black people are different than whites is not a thing. Wait, Pick, our hospital still reports separately yes. in this. Yes, it does, and many labs have this default, and this is uh, a thing that has become a standard calculation uh, that uh, estimates kidney function, and it has had a, a little asterisk of racial math based on three tiny, flawed, incorrect studies from the 90s uh, that resulted in a whole different classification system if you were black. So you would be said to have a better GFR with the same number than someone who was of a different race. 
Correct. Uh, that uh, uh, these studies decided that uh, uh, blacks were different, had more muscle mass, had different potassiums. Uh, a little crazy, but essentially patient harm, because without this little asterisk, 30% uh, of African Americans would be reclassified into a higher level of kidney disease and get more aggressive care, uh, potentially diverting kidney transplants and replacement therapy. Wow, that's a big one. And and that's not a thing. Not a thing. Getting rid of the thing. The kidney, like, associates of America say it's not a thing. Not a thing. Okay, Tom, what are we going to try today? Well, I am going to try to incorporate gender and racial bias into my teaching by doing the, the what-ifs. The what if this patient was a woman? What, how would that change things? Uh, what if this patient was a woman and uh, a financier uh, and uh, tried to, to have people think through uh, how the case might run differently if this person had a different race or, or gender? Financier, that's a French finance guy. If you're a, a French finance person, I guess. And uh, I am going to try to look for actual evidence uh, on things I might think uh, and, and feedback that I get. We are in New York. Uh, people are fast and walk fast and talk fast. And sometimes there are residents who the feedback is they are slow, a, a thing that in emergency medicine is frowned upon. And I'm going to think, what if, or I wonder if, uh, I am interpreting their speech pattern as a practice pattern, and I'm going to count how many patients they're seeing and how long it takes to get to them uh, and look for uh, evidence the, of the opposite. Thanks for listening. Go out there and make better doctors. Get out there and make doctors better. Get